me writing in a gay or trans character is not me trying to shove it down your throat. It's me recognizing that there are gay and trans and fill in the other, any of the other groups that exist. <laughs> like they exist. And for me to ignore that is late. It's late. It's lazy. That's the, I, I can't think of a better term. Maybe there's a better term for it. Somebody let me know if you feel like there's a better term. I just think it's lazy. I think it's lazy. Come listen to my dad talk. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a conversation podcast. We are at episode 22. I'm just trying to keep these rolling out. I know it's been, I think, two weeks since the last drop. Whatever. Get over it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, just a little transition. Just moved into a new spot a couple months ago, and we have our baby number three coming up quite shortly. So um, in, in actuality, I might actually be able to punch these out a little bit more frequently when that happens because, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be at the house, you know, helping helping take care of the baby, take care of the wife, um also helping with the other two who kind of have to be uh, distracted while she is recovering and all that jazz. So, yes, still here. Still talking about movies. Um couple things I wanted to talk about today, but I guess in the current event type of things, I don't want to become like a blog. I guess what I mean is I don't want to be like the TMZ version of Hollywood TV and film. Like I don't want to just be the first to talk to you about the current events. I kind of want to have the types of conversations that aren't typically had, or if they are had, maybe they're not loud enough and I'd like them to be louder. Some of the things that I've heard friends of mine and people who are also fellow film enthusiasts um, have. So, but um, I guess on the more current note, when this airs, hopefully, if, you know, things go well, I will have seen I'm going to try to do this. I have not been to the movies in almost, oh, it was for sure over a year. I'm trying to think of what the last thing it was that I saw. It it might have been Joker. I think it was Joker. I think that's the last movie that I have seen in a theater. And that movie came out in 2019, October, I think. Wow. Since October 4th, 2019. And I think, I don't know if I saw it on the 4th. I know I saw it fairly early in its uh, release. But that's the last time that I've been to a movie theater. I guess the closest thing is right before the pandemic hit. In January, um, we had kind of seen like a screening of um, 
uh, onward the the Disney movie we had, we had took our son, but that wasn't even, that wasn't really a movie theater. Kind of it kind of was it kind of wasn't, but like in the typical movie theater experience. So this will be my first time back to the movie theater, and I think I'm going to do a double header. I think I'm going to watch both M Night Shyamalan's old. And I think I'm also going to watch um, The Green Knight. I'm going to try to do, bo- do both of those. Uh, the Green Knight by, uh, that was directed by David Lowry uh, with Dev Patel. I, liked, I, liked, I enjoy him as an actor. So as soon as I saw him in it, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And then A24 picked it up. And I'm, I'm fairly pleased with the movies that A24 um, backs. I, I haven't had any disappointments, so... Um, M Night, you know, sometimes it, it hit hit or miss, but I always appreciate his willingness to tell original stories, and I think that's kind of what happens when you tell original stories is sometimes they're not always going to land. Um, they're not safe either, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, uh, and I've heard a couple interviews of him and how he shot uh, a lot of the beach scenes in um film so i kind of am anxious to I, the the real movie that made me get an itch was i saw no sudden moves or no sudden move on hbo max um and uh that's the Soderbergh film and it's funny one of the things that stood out first and it's the thing that every single person that i talked to about noticed first was how it had the strange warping on it and then it made then i quickly realized like this movie was made for a big screen because the big screens have the curve on the edge so that warping at the edge would have looked different on a big screen and that was kind of like the point when i was like yeah i'm ready to get back and see you know see some of these on a bigger screen heck if i get there and they're showing no sudden moves. I might watch that again just just to be able to see it on the big screen. Maybe instead of old. I don't know. But I figure it's my first time going in a long time. I got this baby coming, so I may not be able to go back again for a while. So I figure why not um, get all the movie going that I can. I mean, I think in the future I'll be able to go again. But I feel like I will often be able to go watch movies. Because my wife and I don't really have the same movie tastes and with three kids it's hard for me to get to the movie theater by myself and if i'm going to the theater i gotta watch something that's that they want to watch everybody wants to watch so i for one this is okay (laughs) this is a film podcast but i have this opinion i don't know how other people might feel but when it comes to like movies bars restaurants i have no problem going to a movie to a bar to a restaurant by myself i have absolutely no issue with it at all i know some people might think that's weird but i go i do it all the time um sometimes especially since the movies that i like are not movies that the rest of my family likes i i tend to go to or before everything closed down i would go to matinees a lot the earlier the better. I went to one movie that started at 7:45 in the morning. I loved it. You know, I was in and out of the movie and got home and like the family was just getting up, like, you know, and I had already got my movie out the way. So I enjoy going to the theater by myself. So I'm going to enjoy that today and give me a big cult, a popcorn with Skittles. I enjoy popcorn with Skittles. That's my movie theater snack. So yeah. Um Perhaps in the next episode, I'll talk a little bit about 
what I felt about it. I'm kind of on a new wave where I'm no longer going. Let me not say no longer, but I'm I'm really. I'm really pushing against negative commentary about movies. Unless I feel like you've done something egregious in like your. Maybe like you didn't tell the truth or you painted a people or something like that in a bad light in a way that's not educational. What I mean by that is like if you do a movie about Jim Crow South, then of course it's going to show ugliness, but that's you telling the truth. So it's supposed to show ugliness. But, you know, I am, unless you're doing that, movies are so hard to make. And being as I have made a couple shorts myself, and am in the process of trying to get others off the ground. I know how hard it is just to get an idea, just to finish an idea and then not just have that idea finished, but have somebody agree that that, that idea is worth something. And then to have someone give you money in order to do that thing. And then to have other people agree to work with you on that thing. And then to have people agree that that thing should be marketed and pushed in a certain way, that it should be placed in a certain place, that an audience should see it. It's just such a hard, there's just so many moving parts. And um, not that I'm against film criticism. I just personally feel like, you know, I'm kind of taking the old phrase that we probably all heard from like our grandmothers. Like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So I'm going to try to make that be my thing now where um trying to be critical while also trying to be respectful and appreciative of the effort because I don't think people really appreciate effort. I don't think anybody says, wow, I, I like what you tried to do there. It's just either I liked it or I did it. It didn't do what it was supposed to do or it did. Again, not that there's anything wrong with criticism. It's just... The game of criticism to me is so flawed because it's, for the most part, all about individual perception. And then the biggest thing is when we're talking about film criticism, who's the one critiquing the film? And in this industry, they all look the same for the most part. The people who are, whose voices have the most, um, who are amplified the most, they all look the same for the most part. And understanding that if certain people don't like or approve your movie, it could affect its reach. If someone says, this can't do this, this won't sell here, blah, 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 blah. So I just choose not to um, add into it. You know, I, I, I just, I've sent projects to people and then the first thing they want to tell you is how they would have changed it. And it's like, I don't want you to tell me how you would have changed it because it's not your story it's my story if anything give me technical advice maybe this sound could be better stuff like that i'm totally for you know someone should have told christopher nolan that hey bane's voice is a little weird here maybe you should fix that or you know the mixing in uh you know on tenant is a little is a little off maybe we should work on that because we're talking about people's ability to actually see and understand and hear your movie and to me those those technical things are valid um 
But yeah, I don't. I, you decided to tell a story, and our first thing to do is to talk about how we would have told the story different, but we didn't. It's not our story. It's your story. So I want to hear what you have to say about a thing. I could be entertained about it, or I, I may not be, but I kind of want to be a little bit more about um, celebrating the idea that you got a chance to make it. Now, let me also say that I will not hesitate to talk about the fact that certain movies get to be made all the time while others don't. Now, I have no problem being critical of the industry as a whole, the gatekeepers. I don't really care. If I if I miss out on opportunities because of that, then so be it. But a, a fellow filmmaker, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to change my conversation about how I talk about other people's work and art because I know what it's like to to not hear what you wanted to hear from other people. Although you want people to tell you the truth and want people to be honest, you don't want anyone to lie to you about how they felt about something, but I understand what that's like. So anyways, I'm going to tell you guys what I think about the movies that I see, if I see any of them, whenever I see any of them. <sighs> okay. That was a long intro. Um, so on the last episode, I kind of talked about quote cancel culture and how I think it's like the big bad boogeyman like it's it's the monster under the bed it's the it's it's the thing that's been made into more than it actually is because we're paying attention to the wrong voices like because someone named at carol 156478 said oh, I can't believe you do that. You should be out of here. We think that that means you've been canceled. Like, what the hell does Carol have to do with <laughs> your productivity? Like, she's not moving the needle when it comes to getting things done. So just because people say they don't like a thing or people believe that you should be held accountable, that doesn't mean that you were canceled. It just means that people think that you should be held accountable. And like any other piece of criticism, you can either take it or leave it, you know. That doesn't mean that you've been canceled. That just means that people are like, nah, we're not having this. But, you know, you know, again, Kevin Hart still gets booked. So anybody suggesting that Kevin Hart, they're trying to cancel Kevin Hart. It's it's just not the truth because he still makes movies. People are just not happy with what he does and people have that right. I'm not even going to get into the what's right or wrong. I don't really care. <laughs> That's kind of another thing. I don't care about a lot of a lot of the stuff that people get upset about, but people have the right to get upset about it. That's literally what social media is it's it's a public forum don't go to a public forum if you don't want to hear what the public has to say about a certain thing so uh yeah so i talked about that i mean i know a lot of my conversations have been about that but again this is a conversation podcast so i kind of want to talk about conversations that are happening in the world but specifically in this industry or how conversations in the world affect directly or indirectly this industry and one of the common themes have been criticism, how people talk about your movies and cancel culture to an extent is an element of criticism, of critique. You did something, you said something, and I'm telling you about how I felt about what that was, whether it's in support or um, in, uh, I don't want to say in, in criticism because criticism is not itself a bad term. It's just people are telling you about what they feel, and that could be on a positive or negative note. Um, 
But the question is, again, who gets to say that? And though, like in any movement, there's always the crazy wild side, I think it's necessary because, again, you when you only have one group of people, for the most part, telling you whether or not a movie was good or bad, you don't ever get to hear, like, like someone made breakfast at Tiffany's and no one of note told them, like, bro, this is, this is not good. <laughs> like, first of all, if you want to have an Asian neighbor, why don't you actually find someone Asian? That's one. And two, if you have, if you have to go the route that you're going, maybe not have this um, clearly American person be dressed and have makeup done in a way to where they just exemplify all the horrible racist uh, um, character types that we've assigned to certain groups of people. Like, <laughs> But this is what happens when you don't have people in the room telling you, no, <laughs> this is not smart. Like, this is not, this isn't good. Uh, you know, so you can always tell when like a piece of a group of people were were marketed to, but the people who did the marketing are not of the subgroup of people marketed to, and it always you can always tell when a bunch of men makes advertisement that's geared towards women, or when a bunch of white guys make advertisement that's geared towards Asian Americans. Like it, it you can tell when you don't have someone who represents that group in the room to say, wait, you guys think this is how we respond to these things, but it's really not. Maybe you guys should think about this. So overall, I, I feel like the response of the people is a necessary balance because we don't get that balance from the top. We don't get the pushback from the top. We don't have, we don't have the no people in the room to say, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to touch on that, clarify on that. I had a couple people uh, respond to me from the last episode, and I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on what it was. So one of the things that I've been noticing is that the... People are getting back to shooting and filming. And we're seeing that more and more places are being utilized as hubs for filmmaking. I mean, obviously, Hollywood is like the capital. And then Georgia, you know, they call that Black Hollywood. It's like also fast growing. But there's a few places where we're seeing this growth happen. Um I think I recently read something that um, in Ottawa, that's kind of a place that's been growing. They've been having more and more productions there. Um, I think even Oprah had a couple things or via Life, Lifetime. I don't know. I think Oprah, is Oprah involved in Lifetime? I'm not sure. But um, uh, no, 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 no. That's what I read. Lifetime and... Lifetime, Hallmark, and the Oprah Winfrey Network um, this year, I think, are 
going to be shooting out there. Um, Georgia is on its way back up. I know Georgia struggled, and they also had some people who were willing to boycott making films there because of some of the election laws um, in that state. So I know that was kind of a thing that was slowing them down a little bit. Um, But let me see, where else did I see it? I'm trying to think of where else I saw it. We're seeing a lot of places overseas. A lot of the film festivals are kind of back up. A lot of places are opening up their theaters. I think China said they're back to, or Japan is back to 75% capacity in their movie theaters in the areas that are doing um, better. So we're getting to the point where even though you're having like Delta numbers kind of going crazy, I think we're at that point where I don't think people are going to go back to closing these theaters down. I just think it's just too much money lost and I don't see anybody stopping it. Um, Oklahoma, that was the other place. Um, Their film industry is growing. Um, I think... um, uh, Scorsese's film, uh, what was it called? Killers of a Flower of the Flower Moon, I believe, was filmed out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm almost wondering, along with the variety of film companies financing and pushing out movies, are we also going to see different states open themselves up because of some of the tax implications? A lot of them get tax write-offs and things like that. It brings industry to the area, jobs to the area. If more states are going to avail themselves in their cities to being places where movies can be filmed. And I know it's hard, especially if you're in a state where your weather isn't very conducive to year-round shooting because you can't control it. Um, or at least because it doesn't consistently... Like, that's why Georgia works, even though Georgia doesn't have the same climate as Los Angeles. Georgia has the type of climate that mirrors so many other climates that it'd be too expensive to go shoot in. So, like, for example, I think Black Panther, like a lot of the Wakanda scenes, jungle scenes, all those were shot in Georgia because Georgia has some areas that look like the jungles. If, you know, you're in there, I think Act of Valor had some scenes that seem to be take, taking place in like South America or something like that, but they were all shot in Georgia because Georgia's got the swamplands and all that. But I guess if your state has features to it that can be used and passed off as other, you know, more known or at least mysticized areas, then, you know, it could be a thing that, that happens there. So as theaters open back up, filming starts happening. I'm interested in seeing where, what places become the places that some of the directors want to take their productions to, um, you know, and again, I, I can't speak to the financial aspect of it, but I wait it cheaper to film in Oklahoma than it is in, than it is in Georgia, than it is in LA, you know, so I don't know, but I'm hoping that that, again, I, I had an episode, a couple, uh, a few episodes, it goes one of the earlier episodes where I kind of talked about how I think a lot of the lament over the theaters closing, I thought was a little bit dramatic. This is me personally, but on the flip, that's not to say that I don't enjoy the theater and I don't hope to be able to watch things on the big screen. I was just saying, you know, 
it's not, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, with a more diverse, especially if you're in, if you're trying to avoid cities that are having spikes of COVID and of Delta, then maybe you can go to a place where there's not the, the cases aren't that high. Maybe they're a little more open, and it'll be easier for you to get your production off. Hopefully, you're still doing things safely. Um, but yeah, but if 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 the mandates in a certain city are a little bit more open and you're able to get more things done there, then maybe that's a spot that you want to take your production rather than shooting everything in Hollywood, which is L.A. County, which is, I think, on the verge to getting tighter already. I think they already made masks. masks I don't know if L.A. County ever stopped making masks a mandate, but now they're a little bit harder on it, whether you have the vaccine or not. Um so if you wanted to shoot in Hollywood, maybe it might be more difficult for you to get your production going here. But maybe in Oklahoma, <laughs> there's a setup that makes it a little bit easier for you um, to get that done. So here's to the possibility of new. Pl- I mean, I'm all oh, I'm all for new. I'm all for shaking the table. I'm all for evolving. I think one of the one of the things that bothers me the most about America is how slow we are to change and a lot of people value um, history and tradition over like actual like morality or productivity like it doesn't matter if if it works better or it doesn't matter so much if it's the most moral thing but it's the way that we always did it and because it's the way that it's always been done, why change it if it's not necessarily broken? And even if it is broken, it's like, you know, if I have a flat tire, but I could still drive home on it, then let me just drive home on it instead of stopping and changing the tire. So I think in a lot of cases, changing things, evolving, opening things up, changing who can make movies, funneling money into different places, amplifying voices that weren't amplified before giving different opportunities to certain people, allowing people the chance to tell their stories, giving people more options of places to be able to do it, I think is a thing that will be beneficial to the country, to the economy. If it, if it, like a lot of other countries, put more money into its films. But, you know, I guess like a lot of things, everything becomes politicized so maybe the fear is if you know the government doesn't want to get into funding films because then films might only become things that the government wants you to talk about and that obviously i understand the issue and the 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 red flags that could be raised there but um yeah i'm I'm all for shaking up the table for making it to where people can get the opportunities that they may not have gotten before and i mean it's like film took a little bit longer to evolve like TV did. So like we saw we saw this in television in like the 80s. I think going into the 90s, which is the more personalized um more niched niche 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 i always struggle with the the pronunciation of that the enunciation of that um but yeah 
uh, uh, TV shows geared to specific audiences. Whereas, like in the '60s, early '70s, you know, when you made a show, you had to make the show for the whole family because the whole family sat down and watched TV. So there was no such thing as movies and TV shows just for kids, and ones just for adults, and ones just for men, and ones just for women, and ones just for black people, ones just for you know. It was like the whole family had to watch this, so it couldn't be too vulgar, it couldn't be too crazy because, you know, dad was watching it, but also his eight-year-old son was sitting there watching it too. So productions were a little bit more general, and then you started to get to the point where there was more, As of course, as we got more channels and stations, you had things geared to certain people. Um and now we're seeing that with films where it would obviously it's still a little bit more generalized because niches don't necessarily mean more money and you want more you want the widest audience to see a movie i know like that's why directors often try to avoid the rated x um the x rating because it just even the r rating because it 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 digs in a lot to the people who can see it so, you know, if you can ride that PG-13 wave, then that means you can get kids in there. I mean, you can still get kids in there for rated R, but it's just, if you want your movie to make the most amount of money, then you make it to where the most amount of people can see it. But I think what we're starting to see with the different streaming platforms, with more studios, you're starting to see the projects that may not be for everybody, but they're not supposed to. This is, you know, you're hoping to catch on to a smaller audience. Obviously, you want to make money. So, yeah, yes, you want the most amount of people to see it. But I think you have people understanding in the production of it that I'm making this a specific way. And it's okay if everyone doesn't like it because it's not made necessarily to please everyone, it's made to tell a certain story. Now, you hope that everyone is pleased by it, but if they're not, that's not necessarily what makes this film a success or a failure. So, I would like to see that. I would I would like to see if that, if if one leads to the other, if if the opening of different 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 places, um, different avenues, if that leads to a more diverse better product. I mean, in the end, that's what we want. We want a better product. We want to be able to go to the movies and be pleased with what we see. And a lot of times that 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 happens, obviously, when a, when a person is telling a story, it's that person's story. So regardless of how many people you have in the room, it's still going to be personalized. But again, I just think it's better for the people if what they see represented on screen is a more accurate telling of what's in the world. Which brings me to something that I kind of wanted to talk about. I'm going to tiptoe around it because I don't really want to get into the, I don't want to get into the right or wrong aspects of this. But you have, for instance, a lot of people. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tie this in, but you had you have the the baby situation, and him having some homophobic com- um, comments 
at a festival. I don't even remember what festival it was. And then the conversation about that. And then you have the people in support of him, like Lil Boosie, that feels like, hey, this is being forced on us and blah, 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 blah. And then so I started to think about that. And again, this is not what I'm about to say is not necessarily what I think is right or wrong. Because I think as a filmmaker, that shouldn't necessarily matter. Because if my goal is to tell the truth, I got to tell the truth. So, okay. So, for example, people people who know me know that I'm not a, I'm not a very vulgar person. But people do curse. Like, that's... Like, that's reality. So if I write characters where no one ever curses, that's not me being true to reality. I don't agree. I don't believe in murder. <laughs> but people murder each other. So to avoid talking about murder <laughs> in films is not being... Like now, you don't have to have murder in every movie. You don't have to have fill in the blank in every movie. But I can't just tell stories that only t that only highlight the sides that I believe in. I can. I have that right. But I believe that like I would at my response to Boosie would be, do you think violence is being pushed on us? Do you think sex is being pushed on us? Do you think <laughs> car chases are being... I mean, I'm just thinking of the things that we see in movies. We always see car chases and explosions and things like that in movies. Are they are they trying to shove that down our throats? Are they trying to get us to believe that people should have car... No. But just because you talk about a thing in a movie doesn't mean that, that that's what you want people to believe. But it's that's that's a reality of life. So acting like it doesn't exist is the biggest issue that I've been talking about on here. Which is why you had such a long period of Hollywood when you didn't have any people of color. You didn't have a lot of women. But that's not, that's not the world. <laughs> the world is made up of different people. And to not have these people represented, whoever these people are, is irresponsible. Like at best, it's irresponsible. To to it's lazy. I've said that before. I think it's lazy as hell. You guys know how much I love uh, Tarantino's work, but to have a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but have no black people, as if we didn't exist in L.A., is lazy. Like it's lazy. I, that's all I can put it as. Because I, I I think he's too good. To say that it slipped his mind. But this idea that we will be talking about L.A. in a time in which the number of black people migrating to the city was like, it was like a 400 to 600 percent increase of black people into Los Angeles. But to act like there are no black people in Los Angeles, to not show black people in Los Angeles, I, I, I can't, I can only, I can only say that it's lazy. That's all that I can say. I don't know. Mank.
also takes place in black in, in Los Angeles. There was one black person in the movie. I think in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there was one black woman in the movie, and I think she was a Playboy bunny. The Irishman. There's no black people in New York. None. Zero. Not even one walking in the background. I, I think it's lazy. I'm not saying that you have to change people's ethnicity to make people happy. I'm not suggesting you don't have to do that, but you can't tell me that in New York, there were no black, especially when we know that there was contention between black people and Italians. So you don't even have to make that a, a, a major theme in your movie, but to not have them represented anywhere in the film to me is it's irresponsible because then now the suggestion is uh, inherently, even if passively, is that these people don't exist. They're not here, but they were. So like, where were all the black people? <laughs> like, where were they? Even though we know that there were black people there, they just were hiding while all this stuff was taking place. Of course not. So why aren't they there? And I can't answer the questions. Like, I don't know. Does that go to casting? Does that go to the director? Does that go to the studio? Like, who's thinking, hey, I'm trying to accurately display New York City in this, the 80s and to tell me that there's no black people there? Like, that's not accurate. That's not telling the truth. So either you, by mistake, didn't tell the truth or knew that you weren't telling the truth. I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be nice. This is the, this is the, the, like I said at the beginning, this is the type of critique that I don't mind making. Um, I, I really want to know how does that happen? How do you tell a story about an area, about a place and you don't accurately represent the demographic of that place? You know, I, I guess I can make an excuse for it in the 50s to have Westerns about cowboys and Indians, but you don't have any Indians. You have white people playing Indians, <laughs> you know, and I don't know how that still happens now. But I don't know who makes that choice. I don't know whose decision it is to ignore that. But I don't think that that should be the way that it is, but it is. So, me writing in a gay or trans character is not me trying to shove it down your throat. It's me recognizing that there are gay and trans and fill in the other, any of the other groups that exist. <laughs> like, they exist. And for me to ignore that is late. It's late. It's lazy. That's the. I, I can't think of a better term. Maybe there's a better term for it. Somebody let me know if you feel like there's a better term. I just think it's lazy. I think it's lazy. And um, I don't know. I, I I had a guy at an old job I used to work at. At this point, I had just started to do films, so I had. I showed him my portfolio, and at that point, I had more photography than video, but I did have some video, and um, showed him my stuff, and he was like, do you only shoot with black people? 
And I said, not necessarily. And he was like, well, how come you don't have any white people here? And like, I, I didn't know how to answer at first. I think I was a little taken aback. But I was like, would you have asked if I had only white people there? Would you have asked why I didn't have any black people there? And he said, honestly, I probably wouldn't have. And I said, it doesn't, it didn't cross your mind that maybe that's just my sphere of people that I know, or maybe those are the stories that I wanted to tell. But the fact that that was an ant, that was a question asked, like an actual question asked to me, why do I only have black people? Why do I, why do, why not? Like literally, why not? If I want to, if I want to tell a story with only black people, why can't I do that? If that's what's been allowed for white male directors to do, even still today, why can't I do it? The difference is, I'm actually trying to tell specific and unheard stories, or stories that we've heard, but that we want you all to hear. And I think I know, I think you know what I mean when I say we and you all. So why not? But again, this all goes back to representation. That's I, I might as well change this to the to the representation and gatekeepers podcast. <laughs> Cause that's what I talk about the most. But then when it comes to this industry, a lot of it literally literally comes down to the who can tell the stories, who gets to grade the stories. Who funds the stories like that literally comes down to that. And those are all the same people for the most part, the people who are telling the stories, the people who are greenlighting the stories, the people who are funding the stories, the people who are critiquing the stories are all the same people for the most part. They're all the same people. And this is not an exaggeration. This is like backed up by several studies. <laughs> like I think it was um, a, a study at USC showed that like of all of the top 100 contributors to I think it was it was either Rotten Tomato or IMDb um 92% of them were white and of the 92% that were white 86% of the 92% were males so most of the people saying whether they loved or hated something, are white people. And believe it or not, these are the people who influence the guys in the boardrooms who say yes to this film, no to this film. I need these people to like this, so let's go with this. Let's do this remake. Let's do this sequel, because we want to go for the sure thing. But when this young, black, woman, Asian, LGBT person says, I want to have this, I want to tell this story, Ah, that's not marketable. It won't sell. All right, bet. That's why I also talk about people. Fun. I, 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 um, um, I have a subscription to Masterclass. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty cool. It has some really interesting stuff there. I just rewatched the Spike Lee Masterclass, and he tells a story about him trying to make Malcolm X, and in order to in to fully tell the story 
of this very large person, it had to be longer than two hours. And there are certain aspects of his life that had to be covered, like him um, going to Mecca and these different things. And Spike was going to run out of money. And I think he knew he was going to run out of money. Everybody knew it. Then it came to the time, ran out of money. Tried to get money from, I think it was Warner Brothers. Couldn't get it. So then he just started to hit up influential and wealthy African-American entertainers, athletes, leaders. And they raised money. And then they, and then he had a press conference saying, we did it. These people helped. And then he said the next day, Warner Brothers started to kick in money. So it was like they had the money. It just wasn't until they realized that other people were willing to kick in money that then they decided that they want to kick in money. And Spike, because of his early success, some of his, um, you know, commercials with Jordan and things like that allowed him to have some of those early um, connections. But for the average person who doesn't have those connections, how do they get their stories told if their stories are unique, if their stories are told or, or, or if their stories talk about marginalized groups that may not be quote unquote marketable, like who's going to, who's going to help those people tell those stories? I guess it has to be us. Um, I'm still learning about the concept of funding. Um, so far, I mean, I've, I've, I've only worked on things that came out of my own budget I funded all of my work, so I haven't been to that point. But how do you get someone to believe in you if all the people who can give that give out the money are people who are not represented, are represented, or are not a representative of the group of which you are trying to amplify, or of the group in which you you are a part of? So I, I think that has to happen. And I think we kind of have to be the ones to unfortunately champion and push for our own work because a lot of people only like to co-sign on work and they only like to talk about stuff that other people are talking about. They don't want to always be the first person that said, hey, I want to take a chance on this. I'll only take a chance if that person takes a chance because then now it's safe. It's safe. Nobody wants to take, nobody wants to, nobody wants to try. Some people do. Let me not say nobody. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being, uh, I'm exaggerating, of course. But for the most part, we're not really seeing that. And here's to saying that. And here's to hoping that people keep telling stories of marginalized groups. And here's to people understanding that just because they see, a group represented on TV, it doesn't mean that that people are trying. The fact that you think that people are trying to force a group down your throat just means you probably need to diversify the people who you're around. You don't know any black people. So when you only see black, black art, do you think, oh, they're trying to push black art on us. But for the people who know black people, okay, I already know black people. I just wanted to see them represented on TV. This is normal for me. It's not normal for you when you're isolated, you know, when you're isolated, you're not open to being around different people, even people who you may not agree with. 
So then when you see them on TV, then you're shocked because now this is being pushed on you. Even though this is a reality, this is the actual reality that you live in, you don't want to see that. So you hide yourself from anything that truly represents the world around you. So I don't know. Um, Here's to forcing it down people's throats. That's what I say, you know. Just because you want to believe that a group of people don't exist and that they're not here, <laughs> bro, that's on you. You know, you got to fix that out. You got to fix that yourself. And still, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to watch anything you want. You don't want to. You don't have to listen to anything you don't want to. Go ahead and watch the movies you want to watch. Listen to the people who you want to listen to. You don't have to. But just because you don't want to doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of other people who do. So... Here's to diversifying the people at the gate. And I might just say that every podcast. I'm going to say that every podcast. I'm going to see how many podcasts I can go in a row (laughs) talking about the gatekeeper. I think I can do it. I don't know what the record is, what the Guinness Book record is, but I'm episode 22 in. And I think I've just about talked about it in every episode. And I'm going to keep talking about it um, because it needs to be talked about. So I think that's it. I think that's it today. Um, yeah, hopefully next episode is next week. I'm trying. I'm really, really trying to get. I'm really trying to get back to every week. I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to do that. Um, to doing podcasts every week, maybe even sometimes multiple times a week. That all depends on um, <laughs> my schedule, my laziness. You know, I, I got to be better at that too. But um, uh, yeah, and I'm also going to try to get back into having more people on. A couple people that I have lined up that I think um, will be, I think, beneficial to have conversations with. Um, even though this is my podcast, I don't want you to have to only listen to me all day. So I'd like to bring in other people. I'm talking about representation. I want to get more people in um, to talk about film, to talk about TV. Um, I mean, there's so many, there's so many disciplines, so many things in the industry that I just don't think, you know, the, the funny thing to me, whether or not you believe racism is active, whether or not you believe it's systemic, whether you think it's gone. I think what can't be denied, like literally cannot be denied, is that unless you aren't a majority, there's no way you can really know what it's like to be a minority. And what I know, what I mean by that is, like just to be able to go to a grocery store and not see, let me not even use that one. I'll actually, let me use this one. I had a physical recently. I had some tests done and, you know, I'm kind of like a hypochondriac. So I, you know, as soon as the tests get posted, I'm on Google, Googling numbers and I'm scaring myself because some of my numbers aren't in line with what's deemed the safe numbers. So I'm bugging, I should have known the fact that they just gave me my test results meant that they were fine because usually they call you or tell you to come back in if it's something serious 
But I contacted him, hey, what's up with this? This looks low. What's going on here? And he was like, well, um, it's hard to go by those benchmarks because those benchmarks are about an average. And you also are a part of a different group of people. And there are numbers. There are treatments. There are ways that cancer and high blood pressure and different things affect African-Americans that don't happen with white Americans, Asian Americans, um, American Indians, Native Americans. And they're different depending on your genetic makeup, depending on your ethnicity. Like there are literally differences in medicine, but we don't get differences in, uh, in medicine presented to us. It's a generic white American, um, white American based form of medicine. And I'm panicking because I'm thinking that what I'm looking at is, is not normal, but it is normal. Why couldn't I find that out? It's because there aren't a bunch of studies about African-Americans when it comes to glucose tests and all these different things. What you'll find is a basic average, but you got to think of who the basic average person is in America. And it's not, an, it's not a black man. So that happens everywhere. You go to a hair salon, you're not going to see a whole lot of, you go to Sally's, <laughs> you're going to see a little ethnic hair section. Target or Walmart or whatever, you'll have a little ethnic hair section because Pantene Pro V don't work for everybody's hairs, but that's but that's the advertisement we see. It's a very generic, um, um, it's a very generic form of targeting. It's not meant for everybody. They don't tell you that it's not meant for everybody, but you wouldn't know that if you're not a part of the group that it's meant for. You don't know what that means when. The type of the type of item that you need that's specific to your literal ethnic makeup is not readily available to you because you're not a majority member. And that's everywhere. If I'm at a if I'm on a set and I'm a black woman, nobody thinks about this. But maybe you should have someone who understands black skin, how how black skin um, films, how it reflects, how it absorbs light, black hair, how that works. If you don't know that, then when you're doing black hair and black makeup for film, th th that to me was what was so so beautiful about, about Black Panther is you saw black even I don't even think people think about it, but you just saw the way black skin was represented on 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 film and that's because you had black people working on presenting black people in a way that they understand and have experience with and this is nothing again this is nothing against the white makeup hairstyle there's no, there's nothing against him or her they're doing what they're doing the best that they can they don't know so why don't you have people who would know like, why don't you have people who would represent the group of people that you're showing on, on TV that knows how to deal with those people in a technical standpoint? If I don't know how to deal with thinner hair, why are you getting me if I can't deal with thinner hair? If I'm better with working with thicker hair, why am I not on the set when all of your actresses have thicker hair? 
Your actors have black skin, but you don't know, you don't have people who know how to light black skin. So now their skin looks ashy. Now they look washed out. It's a different cut. Literally, it's literally scientific. It's not even like this is not me pushing some social mumbo jumbo on you. There is a way that you can light a fairer skinned person with a darker skinned person because the way that light literally bounces or absorbs onto their skin is different. I can't take the same lighting for Scarlett Johansson. And use that same lighting for Halle Berry or use that same lighting for Lupita. Like those are those are different skin tones, different skin types. But that's the type of thing that I don't even think gets thought about. I don't even think people that's why I, I just have to keep chalking it up to the laziness thing because you're not really it's not even a thing that people want to think about. OK, let's think about this. We're going to tell this story. We're going to have these people. Who should we have on set that best helps these people and this story get told in the best light? But you you literally have people that don't think about it. They don't make it a, a part of the process. I chalk it up to laziness. Let's just get this done the easiest way possible. Let's use the same people we always use. It's lazy. And yes, it might have commercial success, but it doesn't accurately paint or represent people, which is what this should be about. The stories may not be true. We might be talking about fiction, made up fairy tales. But even in a fairy tale movie, there are real human stories involved in it. Tell the truth. When you're talking about people. And that's my biggest thing. If you're going to talk about people. If you're going to represent people. Tell the truth. On one end. If they were. A people involved in horrible atrocities. Don't. Don't white. Don't wash it out. I was going to say. Don't whitewash it. <laughs> don't make people seem better than they were. If they weren't. Tell the truth. And that's any skin tone because you don't have any problem showing black people as as criminals and crooked cops. And, you know, you got no problem with that. Do that everywhere. Don't tell me George Washington was just some saint. It's okay to say that he was a part of something great, but also he himself had character flaws. That's okay. We're all humans. That's what it is. But to glorify and magnify to exalt people in a way that they shouldn't be that's not telling the truth and whether you believe it or not people take their cues from tv and film a lot of people what they believe about other groups of people are based off of what they've seen on tv like this is the only this is for some people their only peek into a certain subgroup. I'm in a place where there aren't black people here. So the only black people that I see are the ones that I see on TV. And they're either basketball players or they're rappers. So when I see this black person, and I've gotten this a lot, I see this black guy in college. My question is, oh, what sport are you playing? 
I'm not here for a sport. <laughs> I'm actually here because my brain works. But when that's the only thing you know, hey, black guy, tall, college, he must be playing basketball. More black, <laughs> there are more black people in college not playing sports than there than. There are more black people not playing college sports than there are playing sports. Like that's just there's there's like there's only fifteen roster spots on like every college you know sport. And so most of the people on college campuses are not playing sports. Most of the black people on college campuses are not playing sports. But yet, when that's the only narrative that you see pushed. Even if it's coming from a pure, pure spot, like you're not trying to be mean, you're trying to be nice, you're trying to have conversation, but your, your information is flawed. Where did you get that from? Probably from TV and media. Okay, I'm done rambling. Representation, get people on screen that need to be on screen, tell the truth. That's all I have to say. I'm out. Come listen to my dad talk.